Hi everyone. Just a reminder that this show is not legal advice, trading advice, financial advice, or personal advice. Enjoy the show and thank you very much. Hey you. Yo yo, welcome to Crypto 101, the average consumer's guide to cryptocurrency. This is Matthew Aaron. And today we have on some fellow podcasters. We have on Tony and Gary, the crypto cousins. I've always been wondering what other podcasters do, think, say, feel about podcasting in the crypto space. So Gary, Tony, and I, we did a cross collaboration. They're going to be on our show and I'm going to be on their show. So if you're curious about the ins and outs of well, podcasting in the crypto space, well, listen to this episode with Gary and Tony. Before that, please go to Crypto101podcast.com, join our Facebook, our Instagram, our Twitter, join the conversation with a great community. Go to Crypto101 with Matthew Aaron on YouTube to see previews and roundups of all the podcasts that we put out. You can hear my personal opinions of talking to the individuals. Become a patron. Patrons are the backbone of our community. Thank you to all that have been patrons for the past year. I appreciate it. We appreciate it. And finally, feel free to send us an email and subscribe to us on iTunes, CastBox, SoundCloud, Pocket Casts, or anywhere else you get your podcasts. And now, without further ado, here's Tony and Gary, the Crypto Cousins. We'll see you after the show. Gary and Tony, the Crypto Cousins, welcome to Crypto 101. We're glad to be here, Matthew. Guys, we're both podcasters. You have a great show, Crypto Cousins. You guys actually came out about a month after I did. You're coming up on your one-year anniversary, aren't you? September, I think, or something. It's coming up, yeah, a couple months. Right on, right on. So what? first yeah. of all, congratulations for going almost a full year on the podcast. Thank you, Matthew. I guess we could say the same to you. Well, yes, thank, yes, thank you yes. very much. <laughs> but what we want to do today is just get to know you guys a little bit. You guys are always interviewing people on your show. You're helping the crypto community, the Bitcoin space, getting all this information for people to get into the crypto space. But when do you get a chance to speak? Now is your chance. Tony, <laughs> Gary, please tell us about yourself. Gary, well, can we start with you? Sure. As you said, Matthew, I'm an elderly gentleman. <laughs> That's what he said last time we talked. You know, I did my first e-commerce site in 96, my first podcast in 2004. By 2006, my podcast was in Time Magazine's 50 Coolest Websites of the Year, right website I'd built for. I started into crypto back in September. And when I started into crypto, being a podcaster, a Hall of Fame podcaster, I told Tony, I said, well, we're going to do a podcast about this and people can learn about crypto as I learn about crypto. Awesome. So this podcast has been a tool for me to learn and sharing with our audience as I learn. So that's the scoop on my end. I'll let Tony go next. Well, wait, Gary, before we go into Tony, I apologize. You said some cool things. You're a Hall of Fame podcaster. What does that mean? What other podcasts have you had? And you started in 2004. I think that was probably when podcasts just jumped on the scene. Yeah, I probably was one of the first 50 podcasters on the planet. Yeah, I don't know what the number is. But I know I know there wasn't 100 because I remember I built a podcast website directory before iTunes came out. Mm. It was one of the first. And that's the website that was in Time Magazine's 50 Coolest Websites. Right and I remember when I came home with my wife, I've now got 50 podcasts in my podcast directory. You know, and so that was all I could find. And they all were in there until I found one. I added it. 
So I, I um, did that. And then there's the Academy of Podcasters. And I went in their Hall of Fame four years ago. So that's where the Hall of Fame part comes from. Right on, right on, Gary. Tony, so you are the educator. You are the one that knew about Bitcoin before and are educating Gary on getting into it. Can you tell us a little about you and your background? Sure. Yeah, that's the role we play. You know, I I teach Gary. You know, that's how we started the the whole thing. But at this point, Gary's pretty well caught up, and uh, he's teaching me every day. I think Gary may have some kind of sleeping problem. I don't know, but he does not sleep at the <laughs> normal hours. I don't understand how he does four minute crypto every morning, every weekday morning. It's up online before I am even out of bed. But uh, that being said, I was in crypto in 2011. I noticed that uh, my uh, account at Mt. Gox was started in 2011. So I do remember the early, very ugly days of uh, people losing hundreds of thousands of Bitcoins. And Tony lost some too. Admit it, Tony. Oh, (laughs) I don't (laughs) like to talk about how many we lost. I I tried to not think about or remember uh, how many we lost. That's not. That's probably pretty painful. What, what, what about your background, Tony? Like, what do you do? What, what, what's your personal life? Let's get to know you a little bit. You know, um, I think it's what's interesting is, is as you step back and kind of look at the big picture of someone's life. It just turned out that I was in the right place at the right time. You know, I was at Yale, and uh, the Macintosh was coming out, and I said, "This is something really spectacular." And other people were like, oh, "It looks like a toy," you know. So some friends of mine and I started the Yale Macintosh Users Group. We were teaching people all about that. Well, and cool. then, you know, we had a great time and we were developing shareware software, modifying shareware software, selling shareware software. That was the big thing back then, if you remember the Mac came out and you had all these free software programs. So the whole free software movement was, you know, beginning back then and we were embracing that. Then, of course, the web interface came around and everybody was going crazy with the web. And it wasn't until WordPress came around that I decided, you know, this is really something. And so I was not the founding member, but I took over the WordPress website in Dallas. It was sort of a coup uh, and uh, took over. No, I'm just kidding. That <laughs> took over the site and the group. A lot of blood in the streets. Yes. Blood in the streets. And uh, so we, we've been around for 10 years now, since 2008 the WordPress meetup. And so I really see myself as an educator, community organizer, helping people to learn about new things because I'm out there in the forefront. I do learn about things first. And so same thing happened with crypto. So I was here realizing that no one knew about it. And so again, I'm really like being at the early end of the funnel because in, in these technologies, as you know, you have your web engineers, you have your software engineers, you have your crypto engineers. The last thing they want to do is talk to a newbie. Mm-hmm. They know the information, but they don't want to talk to a newbie. And so that's where I feel like I have the patience and understanding and ability to take the technical terms and convert it into something uh, and have the patience to work with uh, people who are just brand new to any field. You guys are both career educators. This is basically what you've done for the past, I don't know, 20 years, 30 years. Mm-hmm. When yes, did you yes. say, I'm going to make that shift into crypto when I'm going to start doing the podcast and said, you know, crypto is the next thing I want to educate people about. And you went for it 100%. We were at a conference in Dallas here called the Big D Conference. They called me, I think, the day before and said, our speaker canceled. Could you come over here and talk about podcasting? So I spoke, and I'm the kind of guy who just hangs out in the hallways. I never go to a session. Mm-hmm. I think I do a lot more business in the hallways, networking, than I do learning in the uh, classroom. When Tony was talking to three or four people, some friends of ours, about crypto, I had been told about Bitcoin years ago and didn't pay any attention. 
And for some reason, I just started listening to Tony tell these other people about Bitcoin. And uh, they didn't have much interest. And when it was over, I said, hey, that sounds really interesting. I'd really like to find out more about that, but I have to go home. Can I come back tomorrow and we talk? And Tony said, sure. So I drove back over there basically to talk to Tony about Bitcoin, not to go back to the conference. And uh, went to Tony. We went to his house. He showed me his mining rigs. And he was saying things like, okay, you got Bitcoin, but you also got Ethereum. You got Litecoin. And I was completely lost. And I, I kept going, Ethereum, what? Trying to figure this out. Right. And I think right then we decided, Tony, if I'm correct, we mm -hmm. were going to do a partnership company. And mm -hmm. Tony knew everything about Bitcoin. I knew nothing about Bitcoin. But on the way home, got on my iPhone and started downloading podcasts because I'm a real audio learner. Yep. I probably ended up listening within the next month or two to every podcast ever produced about crypto. <laughs> probably watched every YouTube video ever produced. And like I said, being a podcaster, I, I jumped right into the podcasting. I said, Tony, we're doing a podcast. Well, we made we did episode zero right away. What did you guys find interesting about Bitcoin? I mean, Tony, Gary, did you guys have the same idea of what you found interesting? Most people say it's the liberty, the anarchy, the getaway from the Fed. Some other people say, you know, just the freedom to transact across borders. What was the thing that sparked both of your interests? Tony, we'll start with you. I tell people that I am in it for the liberty, for the idea of freedom, that you can have a, a currency that cannot be seized. To me, that is really very important. And then I reflected on it, that how I had an interest in 2011 and had an interest in 2013, and that interest did wane. So to be perfectly honest, back then, I was perhaps more in it for technology curiosity and for the money. So when, when it did drop off, I was uh, out mm -hmm. for a while. Gary, same? I think I like to do new technology. You know, I started my first e-commerce site in 96, and everybody told me I was an idiot, that people wouldn't buy stuff on the Internet. And I said, well, I think people would buy stuff on the Internet, so I'm going to go forward. You know, and then I started my first podcast in 2004, you know, when it was in the early days. So I just like to get involved with new technology. And I, I finally think when Tony was explaining it to me, and a good friend of ours, Mark Risen Hopkins, he's a futurist for IBM, he had told me about it, but he never explained it to me. So when I heard Tony explaining it, I realized it was really a technology. It wasn't just some money. Every time I'd been told about four, I thought it was like day trading stocks or something. I didn't realize there was an underlying technology behind it. And I think that's what finally drew me in was the fact that I finally understood it was tech. So as educators, what was the... the idea that made you start the podcast i mean okay i, I heard the podcast uh, origin story you know you had batman you had robin i'm not going to say who's who uh over in the <laughs> conference and you guys met each other but then you guys are united by two different ideologies kind of one is you know the liberty and the freedom one is the tech and you decided to do the podcast what was the catalyst for the education when, when, what did you say hey we need to tell people all about this well you know I, as I said, I'm really into podcasting, and that's how I learn is podcasting. I really have found that to be the re best resource in the world for learning for two reasons. Number one, you can create content and share it and listen to other people's content, the content part of it. You know, whether you're sharing it or whether you're listening to me, that's just like the best thing in the world, and I love it. But also the ability to, you know, podcast, and you know this as well as anybody else, Matthew, Podcasting opens up doors, you know, that no one else will. We've talked to billionaires that would never give me the time of day if I wanted to call them up and ask them something. But because I have a podcast, you know, <laughs> I'm able to talk to these billionaires and, and they even tell me to call them back. So it's a, a dual purpose thing. 
you know, if you if you bring on those type of people, you can ask them questions and they may be questions you want to learn. But they probably I always thought of myself as an average Joe. If I want to know something, I think there are a lot of other people that want to know the same thing. Mm -hmm. So that's why we did a podcast. I wanted to learn and I wanted to share. And Tony and I had been on the podcast before together. Another podcast I'd done, he'd been a guest. And, and we're just good friends. We've known each other forever. So Tony was happy to jump right on board. He went right out and ordered his mic. And like I said, we did a show within <laughs> two weeks. So, so you guys aren't really cousins? No. no. Oh, the we're cat's off the bag. I was like, oh. <laughs> Matthew, we're all cousins in uh, crypto. <laughs> <laughs> we're, we're podcasting brothers. I think we're a little closer than that. So, Tony... I just want to ask this question one more time. Why did you decide to spend your time educating on Bitcoin? There's a lot of other things to educate on. There's a plethora of things, but you decided to spend your time making this podcast, doing conferences. What's the, what's the drive of that? Why do people need so, to know this? I think well, I've been a libertarian, voluntarist, crypto anarchist for many years now, and I'm still absorbing the ideas, trying to understand exactly what sets the state apart from uh, a free society and why, uh, why we are not feeling very free in our lives. And when I saw that Bitcoin was about freedom, when I saw that Satoshi embedded in the very first block uh, a reference to the banks failing and being bailed out once again, then I knew that you know this was my tribe. These were people who not only were going to, I have ideas about freedom and liberty because you know that was one of the frustrations. I went to libertarian conferences and people were like, "Yeah, you guys are utopians. You have no idea. You're just freaks. You have no idea how the real world works." And they were right in many regards because we didn't have an, a real plan. We knew what it was needed, but we didn't know how to implement uh, a real our vision. And Satoshi or whoever he, she, or they were, they had a vision for reclaiming money, you know, then, which is the most powerful thing. If you have money, if you have the printing press, you can continue global war and continuing to pay soldiers and continuing to pay people for the longest time. But if your gold runs out in the, in the Middle Ages, when the gold ran out, the king had to stop the war. So I, that's really what brought me into it and starting to watch the videos of Andreas Antonopoulos and hearing his very passionate words about uh, how liberty is so important and how it, Bitcoin brings it to the average person. Uh, I thought, you know, this is something I can get behind. So, you know, that's what it is for me. I, I can't just do something for the money. It will not get me out of bed. It will not get me uh, moving. I have to have some uh, a passionate interest in the subject. So is, the, is Bitcoin created by the NSA, the CIA or the Rothschilds? That's a good Tony question. probably knows. Tony. <laughs> <laughs> you know, there are so many theories out there that really are, you know, they're interesting and intriguing, you know, like the Yeti monster and the Loch Ness monster. You know, the more uh, weird it is and the more <laughs> unbelievable it is, the more likely we're going to latch on to it as a, a potential idea. So I don't really know. So you're equating Satoshi Nakamoto to Bigfoot. Well, at least the theory <laughs> that, that he's from the, uh, the NSA. I'll let you know, Tony is a Bitcoin maximalist of the strongest degree. That's fair to say, isn't it, Tony? That's very fair to say, because I don't like to insult my colleagues who, you know, have a strong interest in Ethereum and these other coins, and they have a vision for what it is. And, but I don't think it's an insult to say, look, I think I would rather spend 100% of my time 
on this coin that I feel has the most uh, potential impact in the world. The goal of Bitcoin is to have free, sound money on the planet, to have money that is uh, a global storage store value and not some sort of world computer or some sort of thing to help move files around. I mean, you know, these are great projects. Let, let people play around with all of that. But it, to me, it's not as important and world changing as Bitcoin. Why Bitcoin over, say, Bitcoin Cash, Litecoin, uh, any privacy coin? Just <laughs> <laughs> <You say> it. <laughs> let it be said that uh, I believe that Bitcoin at its core, because of its immaculate conception, because the person who started it isn't around, uh, the governance model and the uh, morality or the integrity of the people, I should say the integrity of the people who are continuing to push the project along, continuing to, um, to use Bitcoin, have the ideals in mind to keep it censorship resistant, to allow people to um, use it for its immutability um you know any coin let's just talk about ethereum what a joke i mean it was there was a problem there was a bug you know and then we had that dow crazy thing and they just vitalik said we have to fork it he told the exchanges to stop exchanging it and uh you know then we get ethereum classic and ethereum so i mean ethereum itself is a fork of an original coin or somewhat original coin, Ethereum Classic. Uh, I don't even want to com comment on Bcash. And, 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 and I do believe Monero, the ideals of Monero are strong. You know, I think we do need privacy. I think privacy is not baked into Bitcoin in a way that most people would like to see it. Uh, but I do think it's coming. I mean, with every new proposal, we had SegWit, now we have Schnorr signatures. We have Lightning just going nuts on the second layer. Lightning solutions are just so exciting to, to me. I'm looking forward. Gary and I both run full nodes. I'm looking forward to doing a project on having a full node and a Lightning node and uh, start moving on that in that direction, teaching people about that. So we talk about Bitcoin being in the 1992 era, 1993 of the web, and there's a chance that we really are more in the 1980s of computers because mm. we're just getting started. We're, we're at a low base layer protocol here, like uh, just TCIP was developed, Gopher, uh, you know, those Veronica. I mean, just like the very, very early years of moving files around on the internet. That's where we are today. You have to be a geek. You can't be just your average person and really understand it. I know if I were to move large amounts of Bitcoin from one wallet to another, from here to there, I would want a Bitcoin engineer standing next to me to make sure that it was going to get there. <laughs> right on, right on. I'm, I, I don't want to go down this path too long because I really want to get into a little more other things about your podcast, about the space in general. But now that we've talked about Bitcoin, Bitcoin is the first mover. It's the American online. It's the first time that we're going to see a digital cash or, or virtual currency usable in people's hands you know nick zabo did, did this already back in 19 in the mid 90s you know but now we have bitcoin why be a bitcoin maximalist if it's going to evolve you're going to get the aol is going to shut down we're going to have different in, in, innovations on that you know msn skype or what have you we're going to have uh you know super nintendo nintendo 64 you know will we things evolve do you think bitcoin's going to evolve with it I think oh, Bitcoin absolutely. is evolving. It's got, Tony just said, lightning network. We got snores coming. I mean, I think Bitcoin is evolving. Yeah, I mean, that's I, why I think those are two big ones right there. 
Mm-hmm. Yeah, the evolution of Bitcoin is it is moving slowly because you have to move slowly when you're securing a hundred plus billion dollars of uh, currency. Uh, you don't want to just pivot. You know, I think this this whole weekend was this huge battle of memes and jokes between uh, the Bitcoin maximalists and uh, AVC in uh, Silicon Valley. And I didn't follow it too, too closely because I didn't really know who the VC was before this weekend. But, you know, the idea that Silicon Valley missed out, they like to move fast. They like to fund things that are, you know, moving in a certain direction is pivoting. And, you know, I can't see a VC back in 1980 saying we're going to support TCIP. We love that protocol, you know, or POP3. POP3, we're just going to support the email protocol, and we really hope it develops really well. And that's what Bitcoin <laughs> is. It's a protocol. So, you know, they want to get involved in the sexy projects. That's good. That's good. All right, guys, a little bit less heavy than Bitcoin philosophy and the evolution of Bitcoin. <laughs> Doing your podcast, Gary, like you said, you meet some amazing people. I've met some amazing people that I would never have the opportunity to meet before. What are some highlights? And I know this is not going to exclude anybody but who, what are some of the highlight conversations that you've had over the past year? Well, this is one right now. Guys, stop. <laughs> I'm blushing. <laughs> but I would say one of my favorite interviews was um, Charlie Shrim. Mm-hmm. When, right when he got out of head and been out of prison that long. He was telling us about uh, <laughs> mini Max and Max in prison, how that was working his money. I found that really interesting. What was working his money? Mackerel. Packets of mackerel. Oh, the fish. Yeah, little. Yeah, yeah. Li- the fish. We're not little talking about some weirdly named protocol. Yeah. No, no, yeah. the fish. No, they no, can no, only no. buy like maybe $25 worth of stuff a week in prison. Okay. And so. Hey guys, TiVo here to tell you about the Ufi Video Lock, a smart lock, a 2K camera, and a doorbell all in one. That's right, three in one for triple the security. It's easy to install. All you need is a Phillips screwdriver, no drilling required. It gives you keyless entry, so no more fumbling your keys when you have your hands full coming back from the grocery store. No more worry about the kids losing a house key. No more worry about a guest losing the house key or forgetting the passcode on your door. And for Airbnbers, it's a no-brainer as you can change the passcode at will between renters. It has available fingerprint recognition, and it has AI self-learning chips, so the more you use it, the more accurate it's going to be. You will have no anxiety with the battery charging. It is a rechargeable battery, and it lasts around four months, but don't worry, when it's low, it'll give you plenty of weeks notice, and also, it always comes with a physical key as a backup. There's no monthly fee, unlike other brands that charge you a monthly fee to get your backup recording. They're always recorded locally and you will always have access. Customer support for the Ufi Video Lock is 24-7, so you don't have to worry about any issues you have, and it comes with an 18-month warranty. What I love about this product is it is truly all-in-one. With the three-in-one, you don't have to go out and buy multiple parts. It's all in this package with the Ufi Video Lock. So if you're interested in learning more, go on Amazon and search Ufi Video Lock. That's E-U-F-Y Video Lock or visit ufeofficial.com slash video lock. Again, that's E-U-F-Y Video Lock. Ufi Video Lock. Get complete control over your front door. This is the story of the one. As head of maintenance at a concert hall, he knows the show must always go on. That's why he works behind the scenes, ensuring every light is working, the HVAC is humming, and his facility shines. With Granger's supplies and solutions for every challenge he faces, plus 24-7 customer support, his venue never misses a beat. 
Call quickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. They buy the fish because it lasts a long time. It lasts a year expiration date. And uh, people will buy their money's worth and eat half so they can have mackerel, packets of mackerel to trade. And as Charlie said, if you want someone to save you a seat on the front row at the movies, there are people who will do that for a packet of mackerel. If you want to get a haircut, that might cost two packets of mackerel. But it evolved into its own currency. And then a year later, the mackerel expired, and he, and he said, you can't eat the expired mackerel packets. It's just mush. So that became a mini Mac worth half the value. Hmm. So this whole money system started in prison at a fish, showing that anything can be money. And then this guy who was the biggest banker, I guess, of all, had the most mini Mac of anyone there, got paroled. And they took his mackerel, all his mackerel, I guess the good mackerel they put back in the kitchen. But they, he had tons of mini Macs or expired mackerel, and they just left them in the kitchen, in the uh, dining area, and said, everybody can have these. And everybody walked in, and there was just thousands of mackerels. <laughs> and it was like thousands of dollars, and it destroyed the mackerel currency over in one day. So, so wait, did, they, did they, put the, they put the currency back into the population? Into circulation, yes. yeah. So, yeah, it was a dump, basically. Oh, they <laughs> and then mackerel, the bottom <laughs> fell out of the market. That is super interesting. So it was interesting. so crazy of a story, isn't it? This fish, these packets of fish that were used and expired still had a currency value. But when the government dumped them all back into the market, it just destroyed the market. That, that, <laughs> that was one of my favorites of all. That story is actually a little too perfect. I'm wondering if it ex- it's actually true. That's what he said. Oh, yeah, no, I believe him. All right. I too. I, I... <laughs> Tony, what was one of your highlights? Well, I think I'll share maybe a little behind the scenes. So Gary had been trying to reach – John McAfee for weeks on end. Mm-hmm. And, uh, you know, we had it set up and then it fell through. We had it set up and it fell through. And then finally, one Saturday, I'm driving on the highway and Gary says, <laughs> I just got a text from McAfee. We're, we're going on in 10 minutes. <laughs> I was on the highway when I got the text, Tony. You too. I, I, we yeah. were both on the highway. I was so, straight to a location with a microphone. Zoomed home. We zoomed back there. And uh, to make it to, to get on, on online with McAfee. And, uh, you know, it was uh, there was a little bit of incoherence. I think he had been drinking. And but that's not a surprise <laughs> to anyone. Uh, and he doesn't try to hide it. And then we had a great time. It was a fun conversation. It was. Right, right on. That, that's an interesting behind the scenes because, you know, I don't think a lot of people understand, like, sometimes how much work goes into just setting up a time and getting on a time. <laughs> Oh, yeah. Like even even us, we were late and missed by about a half hour because of calendar issues. Something happened. Yeah. Daylight savings. I don't know what happened. Exactly. (laughs) And then when it comes to people that are are super busy and have maybe, um, you know, assistants or handlers or PR or what have you. And they're in there. Oh, it's a it's a disaster sometimes. What was Mm -hmm. one of the, the worst miss ups of timing that you guys ever had? We did a host show with someone and it didn't record. Ooh. Who was that? 
I won't mention any names. We'll leave the names out of it. But then I got back on. I'll take credit for this. I got back on. Gary said, "Oh, someone crazy. else didn't record it, not yeah, us." Yeah, 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 yeah. Okay. Us. Someone okay. else. Didn't I, was, I thought maybe yeah. I hit record button, Matthew, yeah, yeah. so I was kind of concerned there. <laughs> yeah, yeah. No, it was someone else. Was, we were on with somebody else, and they're recording us, and then we missed it. So I got back on with with them, and um, a few weeks later, and then a few weeks later, we got another call, and they said can you do a show with one of our biggest customers since we got a sponsored show out of it? I mean, it worked, you know, we started with a shaky start, but now uh, we're working together with them and uh, we're getting sponsorship shows uh, delivered right to our doorstep. It turned out to be a good thing. It's a good thing. Tony went back. I was like, I don't want to go back. I didn't enjoy the first time with him. I'm not doing it again. (laughs) (laughs) That's, and that's the funny part. You know, Gary drives a Hummer. I drive a Prius. Is it, tr- is it true? Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Wow. <laughs> yeah, we we have no similarities at all. Yeah. So no, Tony's really the kind of guy that if someone says, can I have some information? I'm thinking about paying for something. Tony's like, oh, we just made a sale. And I'm the kind of guy going, what in the heck are you talking about? We don't made a sale. That guy could die tomorrow for you know, all you know. We don't make a sale until <laughs> we can get a check in our hand. So we <laughs> until the check really, clears. <laughs> yeah, we don't look at things. We look at things completely different on most things. Mm-hmm. Except, yeah. that, except that we, I, I think, are both pretty sincerely nice people. I think we are common. That is our biggest common ground. And we both have an interest in what we're doing. Right on, right on. One of, one of my biggest annoyances of podcasting is the delay you sometimes get with the microphone to your headphones. So then your speech comes out all drunken sounding. So if you're, I don't know if you ever had that. Uh, Luckily, what? I haven't. What I hate is when I hear an echo in my headphones. Oh my gosh! Yes, and exactly. And I feel, mm-hmm. You know, and it's just like one second behind, but you can't. Yeah, yeah. You just have to concentrate so much to keep up with it. You can't enjoy the conversation. <laughs> there are so many, you know, uh, things that I've run into. I've been podcasting so long, and I had no idea what I was doing when I started. You know, so believe me, I've had my definitely had my share of errors. What was one of your biggest ups. errors? What was the, what was what was the biggest thing that you were almost like embarrassed? You were like, oh, I, I think it's more of a learning moment. So I'll share it. Is BBC called me and <laughs> or messaged me in maybe oh. 2005 and oh, okay. wanted to talk about podcasting. And it was like three or four in the morning, my time, mm-hmm. because of the time change. So I get on and they bring me on the show and they want to know about podcasting. Is this on, on TV or on radio? No, on radio. Okay. And the host goes. What do you think about those podcast thing? Do you think this will be around for a while? And I was like, oh, yeah, I haven't listened to a radio in two years, you know, ever since I started podcasting. And all of a sudden, the host goes, well, thanks for being on our show. Now to the butterfly collector. <laughs> <laughs> that was the end of the show. And I didn't even think about it. It wasn't like being rude or anything, saying, you're going to lose all your listeners. You guys shouldn't listen to radio. But basically, I was just saying, oh, yeah, you guys out there don't listen to this radio show. And they, they didn't want to go any further with that. So it's kind of a learning thing to maybe think more about your questions or your answers to questions, you know, how they may be reacted to. BBC's on my CastBox app right now, so I listen to them on podcasting. So they made the switch. Maybe you forced them to make that switch because they – I opened it for them. They maybe that was funny, though. That, that interview ended, like, within 30 seconds. That's funny. Wow. That's funny. Tone, what about you? Well, you know, I'm pretty new to the podcasting space, so I don't really have uh, the stories, the, the years and years of stories that Gary has. So, um, no, I really don't have a story. Well, oh, yeah, 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 yeah. yeah. <laughs> I remember. I mean, the very first few shows, 
you know, I didn't have the bottle of water with me. You know, I had this like lip smacking thing going on, you know, because mm. my, I was very dry. We, we, we record in the morning. So like, I barely have got an espresso down in my throat. I don't have breakfast. And I've been up and, for four hours. Yeah, Gary's been up <laughs> four hours. He's already spoken to people. This is like the first time I'm speaking to people. And so he's like, maybe you should get one of those mic. I see you get the, the mic, uh, the air cover thing for the mic. You know, make him one of those. He didn't really want to say it, you know, out loud. You know, they got all these. Smack, million smacks, you know. Then someone pointed it out on a feedback, you know, on Facebook or somewhere in yeah. the in the feedback. I was like, oh. Then I heard it for the first time. I was like, oh, I never noticed it. And well, he listens to podcasts at two times speed, so he didn't ever hear it. Right. And so someone, we were sitting by each other, and someone put it on Facebook saying, I don't know if I can listen to this podcast anymore. That guy's smacking. And I just showed, at this point, I said, well, forget trying to get him to get a windscreen. <laughs> so I showed it to Tony. He went home that night and listened to regular speed. And the next day, he messaged me and goes, "Oh my gosh, I had no idea." And uh, now he just why he has bottled water. He just drank out of now, and oh. now he has no problem. Oh, the, the the comments. I when I started, I read the comments every day to see if the new one popped up. Searched the Google to see if a new one popped up because sometimes they're brutal. <laughs> oh yeah, <laughs> and and, the, and sometimes they're brutal and right, and that's what hurts. And you're like, oh, <laughs> I got to do something about this. I don't know. I do have a funny story, though. My wife and I do another podcast called the uh, Fixed Upper Podcast. It's for a TV show here in town called the Fixed Upper. It's arts in Texas. Mm-hmm. And our description is a married couple watches their favorite TV show and talks about it. And then we got a one star review. And the comment on the one star review was this podcast is terrible. It's just a married couple that watches the TV show and talks about it. <laughs> <laughs> and I'm going, so we're exactly what we said in the description, but we got a one-star review. So to me, the guy was an idiot, but my wife saw it, and she's like going, how do we get in touch with him? She was really concerned. Oh, my gosh, I can't believe he did that. I can't believe he said it. How could he do that? We put so much work into this show. How could he do that to us? How do I get in touch? With- Can we get in touch with iTunes? And, and I'm going, no. You just have to wait for that to get down to the bottom. Tone, since, since you're, I'm sorry, I keep calling you Tone. Uh, Tony. That's cool. Tones, I love Tone. Tony. Well, it was all, on our last show. We, we, <laughs> we, had a, we had a friend, I had a friend growing up named Tony, and we always used to call him Tone. So it's almost like just saying Tone, Tone, Tone. Uh, I apologize, but I'm happy you're no, okay with it. Cool. I love, I love tone. Yeah. <laughs> since you're new to the podcasting world, and this is the first time that you've podcasted, how has podcasting changed the way that you looked at approaching topics like crypto, and how has it changed the way you approached or looked at the crypto world? Well, I've, I have a tremendous appreciation now for the whole podcast field because I was really, I've watched YouTube pretty much, but I, I didn't have a, I didn't open my podcast app. I didn't listen to many uh, podcasts before getting into the field. So I, I really have a strong appreciation for the, the, the creativity, the, the number of angles that people have in on the space. And what I'm recognizing is that while the mainstream media makes fun of something first, uh, you know, all of them now, you know, Bloomberg, um, Forbes, I mean, they, they all have podcasts now. And so really it is something we were out there. We were the pioneers. We got the arrows in the back and, uh, and the mainstream media. But when you listen to the mainstream media, you know, they don't have the same voice. They can't be as irreverent. They can't just cuss. They can't just critique in, in the ways that we do because, you know, they may be afraid of insulting one or a huge sponsor or a, a large swath of their audience. And I think right. the more you can be irreverent, the better. 
and just call things as they are. When you can just speak from the heart and just say what's right on your mind without censoring it, that is huge. That's really the, the beauty of podcasting. Here, here. Here, here. <laughs> Gary, who do you look up to in the crypto space? If you're going to say somebody that influences you, you're following their tweet, you're reading their blogs, you're watching them, wherever they pop up, who would that well, person I mean, be? I like see everything I can by uh, I, I like Trace Mayer a lot. You know, I keep mm-hmm. up with him, everything he does, and um, Safe Dean, Pierre Richard. Most of the people I follow really are Bitcoin maximalists, even though I'm not. I'll admit it, I'm not as strong as a Bitcoin maximalist as Tony and many of them are. I do feel that I have no problem making money off of other cryptos. Mm-hmm. <laughs> In the meantime, if I see an opportunity, I'm not going to miss the opportunity because uh, the fact I have uh, I'm a Bitcoin maximalist. You know, it's like when Ripple went from 97 cents to 279. Mm. You know, like in three weeks, I just bought a buttload of that at 70, 97 cents and sold it two, three weeks later. And I was very happy. You know, I still I still don't care for Ripple, but I was very happy I made some money <laughs> along the way. <laughs> so I guess that would make me not a super strong Bitcoin maximalist. But uh, nah, most of the people I do like listening to are Bitcoin maximalists. Mm-hmm. And, and I listen to some podcasts by other people who I don't, don't really feel that way. But I like listening to I, I listen to your podcast. I enjoy your podcast. That's why I contacted you. Oh, thank you very much. Uh, I appreciate I, that. I listen to uh, Chris Coney with uh, Cryptoverse and mm-hmm. Crypto Bobby. Mm-hmm. Um, I like Doug Polk. He makes me laugh a lot. Yeah, he has a funny you show. Know, I, I enjoy laughing when I watch it. And, you know, I don't always agree with all his picks but uh, on cryptos, but he does make me laugh. And, mm-hmm. and I feel any information you receive is good information. You just got to know how to weed out the good with the bad. Sometimes you can hear one word that can make you a lot of money, you mm-hmm. know, just that one word. And that one word, if you weren't paying attention, you might have missed it. So, um, mm-hmm. but those are the people I like to listen to. Tone, what about you? Well, I enjoy listening to, uh, to Tone Vays. Uh, when he does his show uh, with Leah Wald and sometimes with Jimmy Song, uh, I think that there's a good camaraderie there, you know, and they're good they they have a real uh, sense for the leading and bleeding edge of the technology. I'm really interested in the technology. Um, I've listened to some podcasts where it goes on for the first 10, 20 minutes, and we're just you know just joking and just not just not talking about getting to the core of it. And I'm listening to everything at two times the speed. Mm-hmm. So I really feel like I'm just really really in it for the knowledge. Mm-hmm. I would like to get in and get out. So I'm kind of a I'm a hardcore in that way. The Noted podcast, I, I, I listen to Pierce as well. Those are the top ones for me. Right I think right. I like to be entertained more than Tony does. <laughs> Tony <laughs> just likes to get the facts. I like to get the facts and be entertained. Mm. Yes. We're, we're, that's, once again, we're on different ends of the spectrum. I'm, I'm actually more with, with Tony on this. I, I want the facts. I want the knowledge. That's why I'm listening to it. And I don't, I don't really like much back and forth. Just give, give it to me. Give me the interview. Give me you know, what I want to hear and let me get off. Go switch to another podcast. That's, that's kind of my style. What projects do you think are going to have the most impact in the future? Tony? Well, I believe the Lightning Network is going to be a trillion dollar industry someday. I think that when you put fast payments on top of a slow base layer like Bitcoin, the Bitcoin slow, Bitcoin slow, there's all these critiques we've heard for years. And now you have this Lightning Network, and which is an open source protocol being developed by Lightning Labs and Blockstream 
and a third company, I forget their name. So there are three different implementations of this open source protocol. And that's the beauty of it. They all work interoperably. And I tell people, I said, the first company that really understands how to build an interface around Lightning to make payment systems uh, simple, simple uh, to use and risk-free, they're going to be multi-billion dollar company, maybe maybe even 10 times bigger than PayPal. I mean, could mm-hmm. really be a trillion dollar company. Gary, what do you think? I'm going to agree with Tony. I'm, I'm not much of a picker on things. I never pick anything on my show, as a matter of fact. We never pick any projects or any cryptos or anything. So I'm going to stick with that. Right on, right on. So Crypto 101 is positioned to be probably the, the first place people are going to get into the space. If they're going to say cryptocurrency and they put 101 after it in their Google, we're going to come up. They might... Great branding and great, great move there. I, yes. It wasn't on purpose. But it worked out good for me. <laughs> <laughs> but this could be one of the first podcasts they listen to. This could be some guy saying, oh, man, Bitcoin is at 7,300 now. It just went up, you know, 10% overnight. They're saying they're trying to get in there now. They're trying to open their coin base and what have you. They might be hearing you guys first. What advice would you give them if this is their first stop getting into the crypto space, Gary? I'm a P.T. Barnum kind of guy. You know, I'm a self-promoter and I I have no issues with it. So I'm going to have to say they should also uh, subscribe to the Crypto Cousins podcast. (laughs) And they should go to YouTube and subscribe to 4-Minute Crypto so they can get their daily dose of crypto news in 4 minutes or less. So I'm sorry I'm a self-promoter. So it's just something I can't help. That's just the way way I am. You're proud of your show. You're proud of your product, of course. Yeah, so I would say listen listen and watch those. And the same thing goes with yours. Those, but if they start with ours on episode one, mm-hmm. by the time they get to episode 54 we're at, they're going to know an immense amount, right. you know, even if they listen to twice the speed like Tony does. Right. What about you, Tony? I would tell them that really the idea of trading cryptos, of trying to make money in cryptos in that regard is – really, really dangerous and really hard to understand and master. Uh, people lose a lot of money trading cryptos. But people who get started, they're enamored with this idea that there's no fee. You know, it's not like uh, going on E-Trade and you have to figure out how to do that or do Forex. People get excited about that, too. Uh, if they're interested in crypto for the money, and there are a lot of people who are going to be interested for the money, my best advice is to do what I learned from Mark Riz and Hopkins, <laughs> which uh, was Hopkins said, uh, there's a way to do it. You can just do dollar cost averaging. Just take an amount that you feel comfortable with, whether it's one Starbucks a day that you wouldn't be drinking or uh, $50 a week or whatever from some fraction of your paycheck and turn that fiat dollar into a crypto. Just buy Bitcoin regularly and don't worry about the price. I think someone noticed that in the last year, uh, if you just took out like 10 or 12 uh, data points, 12, 10 or 12 days, crypto did not move at all. It was it moved sideways, 350 days, and it moved 10. How can you predict what those 10 days are? You cannot. Mm-hmm. So if you just buy it regularly, if you just buy Bitcoin regularly and not think about it, you're going to do a lot for your future self. Right on. Tony, Gary, thank you. For coming on Crypto 101, the Crypto Cousins here with Crypto 101. I'm very excited that you guys came on. But before we get off, I want to ask you the final question. One thing I really like to ask all the guests is what songs they want on the Crypto 101 Spotify playlist. What songs are going to represent you in the crypto space in the Crypto Cousins? 
Do we both get three, or is it a three total? Well, you guys could get as many as you want. That- <laughs> well, I, got, I got three. You know, I studied this because I saw it on your questionnaire, and I was going to come up with um, things to go with the genre, like Pink Floyd Money or mm-hmm. The Beatles Revolution. And I said, nope, I'm just going to go with stuff I like. Boom. So I'm going to go with Paint It Black by the Rolling Stones. Nice. Suffragette City by David Bowie. And I'm going to go, because I just love the Beatles, I'm going to go with John Lennon Imagine. Nice. Cool. Tony? That's a tricky question because I haven't really given it a lot of thought. Uh, I didn't do my homework. That's okay. Do you have uh, Spotify? I don't. Oh. Do you listen to music? Yeah. I listen to music, but I just I, I pull from different places, and I don't I don't have a Spotify playlist. I don't listen to Spotify. I really need to. That's so, yeah. So, no, I don't have anything to add. Oh, that's okay. So I'm gonna I'm gonna add one more. Then I'm gonna go old school and go with Bill Haley and the Comets. Rock around the clock. <laughs> there you go. <laughs> I'll add one for Tony. I had a hard time deciding on that one, or uh, Suffragette City, but I just love Suffragette City by David Bowie. <laughs> <laughs> good picks, good picks, gents. Thank you very much for coming on Crypto 101, and we hope to have you back here soon. Good luck with your podcast. Hey, thank you, hey, Matthew. We enjoyed it. We enjoyed it. It's nice getting to know you. Thank you. Bye bye. Thank you very much for listening to this episode of Crypto 101. If you want to hear more from me getting interviewed by them, please check out Crypto Cousins Podcast and subscribe. And also head over to Crypto 101 Podcast with Matthew Aaron on YouTube so I can give you my impressions of the Crypto Cousins. In our next episode of Crypto 101, we have on Ryan Taylor of Dash. And he's going to give us a 101 on Dash. But furthermore, he's going to talk about cryptocurrency as a medium of exchange, something that I feel is dying out and losing interest, making way to platforms and dApps and other utility. He is very bullish on the payments use case for digital assets. So let's listen to what Ryan Taylor has to say in the next episode. And as always, ApogeeCrypto.com, that's A-P-O-G-E-E Crypto.com, the best place for your real-time prices, CryptoNews.com for your news, and WP on the fly if you need a website. We'll see you in the next episode of Crypto 101. This is Matthew Aaron. This is the story of the one. As a maintenance engineer, he hears things differently. To the untrained ear, everything on his shop floor might sound fine, but he can hear gears grinding or a belt slipping. So he steps in to fix the problem at hand before it gets out of hand. And he knows Granger's got the right product he needs to get the job done, which is music to his ears. Call, click Granger.com, or just stop by. Granger, for the ones who get it done.